And that happened on Wednesday this week. Uh, and I've been kind of sitting around doing absolutely nothing. I was going to get a bell and ring it so Shirley could come and do this and do that. And she looked at me when I picked up the bell or when I mentioned it, I think. And I realized that that was not a good thing to do. And so I left the bell where it belongs. Uh, it's an ornament in our living room. And uh, I haven't touched it all weekend. Uh, and she still smiles at me occasionally. So we're, we're in pretty good shape. Anyway, that's why the chair's here. We're not looking for Elijah Although someone just came in, his name's not Elijah, we know who he is, uh, but I might use it. I'm not sure if I'll be able to stand through the whole thing, we'll see. It'll be the longest I've stood since Wednesday at any one given time. Uh, we'll see how that's going to work out. Let me share with you a couple of things before we actually uh, begin. Well, let's pray first, uh, because there's several things that I want to share with you today. And we want to get it all in. Uh, but definitely we want the Lord's blessing as we begin. So let's pray together. Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you and praise you for this opportunity once again uh, to touch you, to feel you, to even see you uh, as we look to your word, as we hear your word. Uh, and we thank you and praise you as we go forward today. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to do uh, something that I haven't really done before. Uh, we're going to have six weeks of Easter. How's that sound? I'm going to do a series uh, centered around the Easter theme. Uh, so today you're going to hear a lot of Palm Sunday kinds of things. And you're going to say, well, it isn't Palm Sunday yet. For some reason, they stuck it all the way into the middle of April this year. Uh how did that how did that happen but there it is but so for the next 6 weeks we're going to be dealing with easter kinds of things and there's a couple of reasons for that as i prayed about what we might do for easter this year uh i thought to myself well the, the more information that we all have that we have <laughs> together uh the better able we are the better uh prepared we are to reach out and touch people with the Easter message. And it has nothing to do with Cadbury. It has nothing to do with, uh, what's the one in San Francisco? Anyway, it has no, with bunnies and, and Easter eggs. I'm, when's the last time we dyed Easter eggs? I don't know. Long time. I haven't done it for our grandchildren, so it's been a while. Uh, anyway, it's not about any of those things. Uh, Easter is about... Easter Sunday, and Easter Sunday is not about Easter eggs. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ being raised from the dead uh, in order that we might have what we call eternal life. And that's what it is. It's eternal life. Well, that's resurrection. Oh, I've already started preaching, haven't I? Uh, but there it is. That's what it's about. And so as we, as Christians, begin to celebrate this and we go into Walmart or wherever it is we go, and we see all of those wonderful uh, Easter bunnies. They've got six-foot bunnies that you can buy. They're, they're holding eggs in both hands and all of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> we can. That's not what it's about. That isn't what it's about. It's almost like Christmas. It's not about Santa Claus. It's really not about 
uh, Toys for Tots, and I'm we do Toys for Tots every year. I, uh, a gift giving kind of a situation, uh, giving toys to underprivileged children, and that's that's a wonderful thing to do. <clears throat> but Christmas is not about that. In fact, my uncle at one time shared with me, and I shared it with you several times, that Easter is the focal point of the Christian year. Easter. Not Christmas. Easter. However, Christmas happened in order that Easter might happen. If Jesus wasn't born, that's Christmas, right? That's what it's about. Guess whose birthday it is? All of that stuff that we talk about around Christmas time. If Easter, pardon me, if Jesus had not been born at Christmas or the day he was born uh, as a man, as flesh and blood, then it would be impossible for him to hang on the cross on that fateful day at Calvary uh, when he took upon himself the sins, whose sins? My sins, I guess yours, but mine for sure. Uh, He took upon himself the sin of the world in order that what? We might have the eternal life that we're talking about. That's why Easter is the focal point. That our entire Christian faith is built upon the foundation of Easter Sunday or what Easter Sunday actually represents. And of course, that's the resurrection. That's what it is. Everything else is built upon that. Everything. And I'll have to admit that as Sunday's the 24th of March, as as a retired teacher, and Shirley's a retired teacher, and probably a couple of you are too, March is the longest month in the year at school. It just goes on and on. There are no holidays in March. And they saw to that even for Easter. There's no Easter break in March either this year. Uh, it's a long, long month. And when there are, and when we have five Sundays in March, it, it makes, it makes a very, very long month. We're not doing communion today. And this is the fourth Sunday of the month. One, two, three, four, yes. And there's another Sunday. And so we're going to have communion when? Well, we'll have it on the last Sunday of the month, which is the way we've written it down. But it's a long, long time. It's a long time. I can't believe that we're still in, we're not leaving March. Uh, I get, I get a retirement check on the first of the month. And I have to wait another whole week before, anyway, you don't want to go there. Praise God from whom all blessings flow, including five weeks or five Sundays in March. Praise God for that. Uh, So we're going to be going through a series of messages uh, dealing with the Easter theme, dealing with what's coming up. In order that, you are better prepared to do exactly what God has called every single one of you to do that has accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's to reach out and touch others with what? The message. What's the message? I just told you. The foundational message for Christianity is found in Easter Sunday, set aside the eggs and the chocolate. That's what it's about. And so... We're going to be doing several things. And if you look at my information table this morning, it's pretty bare 
all that was on my information table this morning was uh, bulletins and I think a couple of signs that said this is this is the church come on in uh, that's it well that's not going to be true for the next several weeks I'm going to be bringing in I've got several things I want you to have you to have to read yourself but then after you've read it to give it away I want you to have plenty of materials that you can use to reach out and touch others with the love and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I talk to my neighbors, as I talk to to people that I run into, I want to talk about resurrection. I don't want to talk about Easter eggs. Let's talk about what's really celebrated on this season. What's really celebrated on this season, and that's the fact that Jesus did what he did for us. The sacrifice that he made, uh, the resurrection that has occurred, and the opportunity we now have of being with him in all of eternity. What a deal. What a deal. That's what we're talking about today. So be looking next week for materials on that table. And I want you to grab, be just, be grabby, have Take three or four. Take five or six. Read one for yourself. Keep it if you think you need to, but give some away. Make it a point to give some away. I want to tell you how great it is to be a minister of a church like this one right here in the Capistrano Room. Isn't that the name of this room? The Capistrano Room in the uh, clubhouse of Montecito. Ooh, all of those words. Uh, at Shadow Hills. Am I in the right place? Here we are. And we sit here and say, there's, I haven't counted you today. There's about a dozen or 14 of us here today. The beauty for a pastor in a church like this, the beauty is, is I know almost every one of you. I can call almost every one of you by name right now, and I can tell you something about yourself that you have shared with me that I've been praying for since I met you. Because I pray for you every day. Every single day, I pray for Gerald. I'm picking on some names in the room. If I miss yours, it's because I just don't want to take the time to call roll. Uh, I even pray for Robert. Yeah. A long time. time. Yeah. Spent a lot of time on Robert. But But you got the idea. Okay. I pray for every single one of you. Not just by name. I pray for Robert because of what's going on in his life. There's some things that are going on in his life that he needs guidance, God's guidance in. And I pray for those things. It's impossible to do if I were in Texas preaching to a football stadium full of people. How could, how could any pastor do that for 10,000 or however many people are sitting with I don't even remember the guy's name that's there. But anyway, you got the idea. Only with the help of God. Only with the help of God. Yeah, a lot of help. I can't imagine it. Anyway, it's the joy. It's the joy. And it should be your joy too, because when we are as intimate as this, when it's just us, when it's just us folk, the fellowship is so sweet. The fellowship is so lovely and beautiful and we can focus on exactly what we're here to focus upon 
And that's God's love. We have, every one of us has something in common. Uh, if we've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's it. That's the commonality that we have in this room. And so when I share something with you, like pray for my back, um, so far, I don't, I'll leave that for Elijah. But uh, if I, if and you can ask me to pray, will you pray for my little finger? You know, I'm having trouble with it. You know, whatever it is, uh, we have those prayer requests on the back of the bulletin. And those are yours. Those are generated by you. Uh, they, we put a couple on ourselves. Uh, we well, we have some personal prayers. You're praying for my daughter. And uh, actually, we have a praise for my daughter. Did you mention it this morning? She's been back from Connecticut for over a year. And she just got a permanent job. <sighs> she could pay the rent. You got the idea. Praise the Lord. So there it is. Uh, so... But I'm praising the Lord today that I brought my grandson. He did all the fetch and carry. Oh, by the way, okay, now it's time to solicit. See, and I ain't even really got started yet. I'm not, I'm just getting wound up. Okay, soliciting. Here we go. I need you physically. I need you physically. Rosie and Joe Manley are going to be gone until the end of April. Joe arrives when I arrive at 8.30 and helps me unload the car. My grandson is here today. He unloaded the car all by himself. I didn't, all I did was open the door for him. That was it because of, oh, my poor back. But, but there it is. Uh, and that's going to be for a while. So I need help getting this thing set up in the morning. I need help tearing it down this afternoon. So some of you can't say, well, I don't get up that early. Uh, you're here now. So I need help getting this stuff back into my car. And then I'll take my grandson with me and he'll help. He help. He will. He'll do it all by himself, unload it and put it into the garage where it goes. If I could, I'd take you with me and you could help me. Hey, you got the idea. Okay. It's important right now because I'm not able to do what I normally do. Uh, so if you can be here at 8.30 in the morning, I'd like you to come and see me if you're willing to pick up a box that doesn't weigh more than 20 pounds because that's about what the boxes weigh that we carry in. It's not a real big deal, but it's more of a deal for me right now, uh, for us, Shirley and I, uh, than it was last week. <laughs> uh, it's been It's been wonderful today. Jeremiah, put it over there, would you? Put it... It's worked out very well. Jeremiah is such a wonderful grandson. Have you met my son? You know my son. He played for you today. He's playing for you today. See, he's here too. It's a wonderful thing. God knows what he's doing. God is at work around you. Oh, that was my message series last time, wasn't it? Okay, enough of that. Today, we're going to begin to celebrate the Easter season. And we're going to talk about today... The triumphal entry and what it what it really means, because sometimes we think in terms of just the physical, just what we saw. Hooray, hooray, hooray! We're going to have a parade. Jesus is going to come in on on the on the back of a donkey, and we're going to throw down palm fronds, and we're going to throw down uh, our jackets and all of that business. That's what the scripture says, and we're going to cheer. Hooray, hooray, hooray! Uh, 
And that's what we see. That's what we, that's what we see. And we don't really think beyond, well, what does all of that mean? In context, in, uh, chronological context, what does that represent? Ex- before and even after. Because when is Palm Sunday? Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Resurrection Sunday. Something's going to happen quite tragically from a human standpoint is going to happen in the next several days, in the next, this week. Between here and here, something very tragic is going to happen this week when we think of it in the human standpoint. What is that? And we already have talked about what it is. So I'm going to read some scripture and share some things with you. So if you want to join with me, you can turn to Matthew chapter 21. That's somewhere near the front of the New Testament. And we're going to read uh, the first 11 verses. So let's let's take a look. My King James goes this way. And when they, meaning the, the disciples and Jesus, drew nigh to Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives, they sent Jesus uh, and then sent Jesus to disciples. Jesus sent two disciples. That's verse 1. Now that's repeated in two of the other Gospels. In Luke chapter 19, verse 29, it says exactly the same thing. In Mark chapter 11, verse 1, it says exactly the same thing. So we got three people saying the same thing. This is what happened. This is what happened. Three people. Matthew was there, for sure. Uh, we can speculate about Mark, and we can speculate a little bit about Luke, and we'll talk about that another day, but we know for sure that Matthew was there. He's one of the guys, right? He's one of the twelve. He was there, which is why we're reading it from here and not from there. But that's verse 1. In Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4, it says this. So we have the fulfillment of prophecy going on at the same time. Zechariah is one of the last uh, books of the, of the Old Testament. Uh, is chronologically one of the last of the writing prophets. And Zechariah says this, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem. So he's going to enter Jerusalem. He's going to enter Jerusalem. And when is that? That's some four or five hundred years before Jesus, before we start wrestling with when Christmas Day is. How about that? Is God at work around you? Is God always at work? And we had a Bible study this morning concerning church history, and that was one of the questions that they talked about. Is God working in the midst of all of the turmoil, in the turmoil in your life? Is God working in the life of Mark Rollins right now? And I'm picking on him partly because he's not here, but because we all know what I'm talking about. Is God working in the life of Jewel Rollins right now? And you know who she is, those of you that are members uh, here already. She's been a faithful member here since day one. Well, maybe second Sunday. Uh, I think she was here Easter Sunday six years ago uh, and has been here ever since. Ever since. We're now entering into uh, today. Oh, by the way, today is our anniversary. On Palm Sunday, 2013, we had our first service here. Now that just happened to be the 24th of March. And here we are. So happy anniversary, 
to us all, right? God has been so faithful in providing for us what is required from a physical standpoint in order for us to be here together. Praise his holy name. God is at work around us. So going on, verse 2 says, saying unto them, Jesus saying, go into the village over against you and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her, loose them and bring them to me. And I'll do verse 3. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them and straightway he will send them. Now think about that for a minute. Let's put it into the 2019. Okay. I walk up to the guy's car and I say, give me the keys to your car. Uh, my, my master, my boss has need of it. What? Who are you? Can I see your driver's? You know, you gotta be kidding. Nobody, nobody drives my Lincoln except her. That's it. My grandson doesn't drive my Lincoln. My son doesn't drive my Lincoln. And none of you drive my Lincoln either. As much as I might love you, there is a line. There, there it is. But you, I'm pushing it a little bit. But you got the idea. And so we got two strangers come. Hey, we need you. We need your animals. Gimme, gimme. And of course, they do. That's, that's the, that's the miracle unto itself. They do. Oh yeah. Okay. Here, go. You got them. There it is. You got them. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, the king cometh unto thee. He is just and has salvation, lowly in riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foil of an ass. That same Zechariah, that same five or six hundred years ago, we see prophecy fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1, verse 2. 21, verse 2. We read verse 3, verse 4. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. And I showed you where that was. And I'm not going to read verse 5 because that's paraphrasing what I just read to you from Zechariah. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them and brought the ass and colt and put on them their clothes and set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees it strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now let's stay there for just a minute. Psalm chapter 9, pardon me, Psalm verses, try it again. Psalm 118, verse 26 says this. Blessed he that cometh in the name of the Lord. I just read that in verse 9. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have people that are quoting Psalms. Is that possible? Of course it is. We have Jewish people that are familiar with their scriptures, their own scriptures. Everybody had the Psalms by that time. Uh, They could be quoting scripture for sure. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. The verse goes on to say, 118 verse 26, look it up for yourself. Now, let's talk about that for just a moment, because sometimes we, like I said earlier, we just kind of get lost in the physical sight of what we read, and we don't think about the implications thereof. Who were those individuals that did all of this? 
Now, there were several kinds of individuals that did this. There were several, there were some of those individuals that were in that crowd. I have no doubt, scripture does not say it, so I can't say it for sure, that actually ate the tuna sandwich when the 5,000 were fed. That's my loaves and fishes for you with a little mayonnaise and uh, dill pickle on the side. Pretty good, huh? I got Robert's attention now. Okay, so there we are. So some of, that's where some of those people are. There were some of those people, very probably, were in John chapter 2, married to Cana, and saw the had the water turned to wine. There were those that were, that saw the blind man healed. There were those that saw the lame man get up, take his pallet and bed and go home. We, all of those things. It's even possible that the woman at the well, John chapter 4, showed up. It's possible. Certainly Mary and Martha and the not any more dead Lazarus could have showed up, could have been there, could have followed Jesus. In fact, it's quite probable because it happened just weeks after the Lazarus event. And what's the Lazarus event? For those of us that need to be reminded, Jesus said, Lazarus, though you be dead, my paraphrase, by the way, get out of that grave, get out of that tomb, roll back the stone, get the grave clothes wrapped off of him. Ooh, boy, does he stink. That's called the putrefaction of a dead body. And yet there he's alive. Go take a bath and then we'll kiss you on both cheeks and praise God that you're alive. Didn't say that. I added that. Naturally. Naturally. Thank you very much. Those are the people that are there. Are there anybody else there? Sure. Hey, there's a crowd. Oh, there's a parade. Let I don't know what the parade's for, but there's a parade. I'll get to see the floats. Hey, this is a cool deal. Something to do today. I haven't got anything else to do. And so why don't I I'll just go. Maybe they'll have a free lunch. Maybe they'll pass out souvenirs. I'm sh- I'm showing up for that. No idea whatsoever what it's all about would show up. This person's screaming something, Hosanna in the high. I guess I could say glory to God too. I won't break my tongue. And so I'll sing it as well. So we could have everybody shouting the same thing from rote memory. Or, oh yeah, I guess I'll just be, so they think that I'm one of them. And I want to be one of them right now. And so we have all kinds of people, every walk of life, standing on the sides of the road, <coughs> saying Hosanna in the highest. And if they really get all worked up about it, I'll take off my coat. And it's old anyway. I was going to give it to the Salvation Army next week. And I'll throw that down there for the donkey to walk on. <coughs> kind of silly, but what's the big deal? Scripture says branch. Branch is a branch. Branch is a a tree limb. That's true. It's not necessarily a palm frond. In fact, probably wasn't a palm frond. It was probably olive branches. Uh, But they mean, symbolically, they mean the same thing. And that's the beauty of it. The palm branch is a symbol of peace. That's why I'm wearing this tie today. And the olive branch is what? 
you, if you extend the olive branch, you're doing what? You're asking for peace. You're, you know, let's, let's forgive one another and let's be friends. Let's kiss each other on the cheek and we can go on. Uh, that's what it's all about. The olive branch. The olive branch that the pigeon brought, uh, to Noah when the flood receded. And it all connects, doesn't it? That's why I really kind of believe it was mostly olive branches than palms. But palms are big and showy. And the Jewish people coined their uh, dineros, their dineris, uh, with palms on them, indicating peace and victory over oppression. That's what that meant to them. And so that palm is that representation, partly because it's a big and it's showy. I mean, the olive branch is, looks like a bunch of twigs. Nothing showy about an olive branch, but there's a lot showy. You see them all the time. And we live in the Palm Springs area. And after the winds that we've had, you drive over them or you drive around them. Somehow, hopefully, you don't, hoping that you won't ruin something. So, what's it about? What are the lessons that we can learn from this triumphal entry? Well, we, we know that the way has to be prepared for Jesus. Think about your own personal life now. The way has to be prepared for Jesus. Your way has to be prepared for Jesus. You didn't just all of a sudden one day come to the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you look at your life and you think about how you got from point A to point B, point B being your acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're praying the sinner's prayer and accepting him as your Savior, there there were steps along the way. There might have been people that have been witnessing and praying for you for years before you got around to saying, oh yeah, I can, I'm not going to give my testimony today, but that happened with me. That didn't just, happen it didn't just happen she didn't just happen she i keep pointing at her it helps me look at this side of the room Shirley says i have an inversion to the right hand side of the room uh so so, hi how are you over there she didn't just happen god appointed unto me a woman to spend my life with and so I tripped over her in a bar. Well, sort of. I was a bartender. She was the manager in a restaurant that had a bar on the end of it. And she used to come in and do the uh, register readings. That makes her happy when I clean it up a little bit. But there it is. That's how we met. That's how we met. She came in and do the register readings. She loves green olives. And so she'd steal olives out of my fruit tray and... And I kept telling her that that hurts the bottom line, but she didn't care. Uh, anyway, but all that happened. It happened. We've been married for, we're pushing it, how many years? 49. By now, you should know. Uh, let's all say it together. 49 years come May the 3rd. There you, yeah, it's coming up. Get ready. What are you going to do for us? For No, no. Get there. We're going to be gone. We're going to be in Visalia. Anyway, the way was prepared for me. The way was prepared for you. Think about your salvation walk, I'll call it. 
The way was prepared. This was done by his disciples. He goes on his triumphant march through the world as we go with him. And how do we, how does he go on his triumphant march through the world? By you. He's given you the opportunity to do exactly what the disciples did and prepare the way for him. You have the opportunity of saying God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And I kind of know what the plan is. Can I share it with you? That's this side of the room. This side, same thing over here. Got it? What I said to them, I mean for you too. There it is. That's what you can do. You're preparing the way. And if it takes, well, let me buy you a cup of coffee and we'll talk about it. So now it costs you, I was going to say a buck, but that's a lie today, isn't it? What is it? I don't know. Starbucks, small cup, but... Well, it's going to take a little while. I guess I better buy you a medium cup, you know, whatever it is. You prepare the way and it might cost. And the way can cost. It costs you your time. If you're preparing the way, it's going to cost you your time. Oh, I'm going to have to actually talk to you. Hi, Bob. And that's all I want. But no, no, I, I got, how you been, Bob? Oh, really? Well, I can, let me pray about that. Let's pray about that right now. God loves you. And he can help you with that situation, Bob. Yeah, it takes time. It's costly. My time is worth, how much is your time worth an hour? Yeah. It's obscene. We don't even want to talk about that. But there it is. It's costly. But we have to be ready. Possessions, time, talent, necessities of life. It's costly. The way must be a way of beauty. Now, and that's what's so great about the first law of the four spiritual laws. God loves you. Oops, now that's just John chapter 10. I'm sorry. No, but that'll do. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. See, that's, that's the soft sell, isn't it? Hey, you're going to hell if you don't pay attention to what I'm going to say right now. Uh, well, that's a way too, but <laughs> that scares people away, doesn't it? Okay, so the way, it has to be a way of beauty. The way must be marked with enthusiasm. Now, it doesn't mean you have to jump up and down. doesn't mean you have to shout. doesn't mean any of those things. But that enthusiasm shows itself. I can talk about God's love to you because God has shown that love to me. And all I'm doing right now is taking the love that God has shown to me and I'm showing it to you. And I am, my, all of me demonstrates that sincerity. Well, let's see, I am witnessing to four people today and you're the fourth. Praise God, it's all done. I'm done for the day. Now I can go watch TV and be done with this. That's not what it's about, is it? That's, that's not the attitude. That's not what it's, that God hasn't called you to, to do that. God has called you to reach out in love. And you love all the time. I love Shirley all the time. Well, let's see. I haven't said I love you to her today. I love you, dear. And if it changes, I'll let you know. It's You know, you got the idea. I'm joking now. But it needs to be marked with enthusiasm. Triumphal entry. And that we talked about who's in the crowd. Okay. Though disguised and poor, he's yet a king of this world. And we see that in his ride in. 
He didn't ride in on a magnificent stallion in regal finery. The wise men, how could this be? You got to be, we're here to see a king. And what do we got? Uh, we're here in the slums of, of Bethlehem. Uh, and you got, anyway, it goes on like that. He's a prince of peace and his victories are by the weapons of peace. See, the zealots had it wrong. They wanted a conquering king. They wanted somebody to come in and kill all the Romans. That'll make heaven on earth right there. We'll just kill all the Romans. Well, a few hundred years later, most of the Romans got killed. The Roman Empire fell. And what came up in its place? Read your history. Wasn't any better. Wasn't any better. We should gladly give to his service whatever he has need of. Now, the word need here, uh, you have to be careful with that because then, then we start to think that he really, he really needs something. I mean, God, who has everything, needs something. That seems to be incongruous. But he does need. He needs your love. He wants your love. That's why he did all of this. God loved you. That's what the scripture says. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. You should so love the world that you're willing to give your time, your talent, your medium-sized cup of coffee, etc., etc. The Lord can use even the humblest of his creatures. (laughs) Here I am, right here. And I know a man, I don't know if he's still living or not, but I know a man that couldn't believe I got saved, let alone that I could stand before you today uh, and preach the word of God. If he could save me, everybody's got a chance at this. Everybody. Humblest of creatures. Humblest of creatures. That's me. Christ brings gladness wherever he goes. Brings gladness. That's what he came for. He brings gladness to the woman at the well. He brings gladness to the, to the lame man at the, at the, uh, at the pool. He brings gladness to the blind man. He brings gladness to the disciples. He brings gladness to the disciples in his resurrected body. And now I'm jumping ahead and we'll get to that in about four weeks. Well, we're going to do the seven words of the cross in one of these messages. So you don't want to miss that one. I'll tell you next week which one that is. Uh, Christ encourages expressions of one's inner joy. Think about you. Think about you when you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and what that's done to you, to your overall countenance. What has that done for you? What has that done? Encourages expressions of one's inner joy. Even in the midst of triumph, there are sin and sorrow. Look around. What a mess. One might think right now, you say God's at work right now? I think he's on vacation. He certainly is not in Washington, D.C. He would not walk up the steps of the Congress. Then how is it possible for there to be Christian men and women that have been elected to Congress and God's not there? Because whatever is happening in Congress isn't happening. 
And I don't want to go any further with a political idea than that. But it's crazy. The things that are going on today are crazy. Even in the midst of triumph, there's sin and sorrow. The moments of greatest triumph often precede moments of greatest trial. Sometimes it takes trial to get us to come to him, to bend the knee, to realize that, hey, I'm not such a big deal after all. I am not the captain of my own destiny. I am not. I didn't create the heavens and the earth. I didn't make the thing spin. I didn't set the heavens in place so that they all they all orbit properly and we can scientifically explain the lunar eclipse and all all of those things because there are those that say all of that's just random. It's like shuffling the cards and if the king of spades happens to end up next to the to the to the king of diamonds and somebody's going to get lucky because they'll have two kings in their hand. But Christ will yet be the king who triumphs over all. Who triumphs over all. Christ is going to come again. That's what we're looking for now. And then there are those those of us we gotta we have to distort it. God Jesus said himself, No one knows but God the time when I will come again. And in the physical in his physical form, I believe that that was true of Jesus. Jesus the know it all. Jesus knows it all, but he set all of his godly prerogatives aside. Everything he did was done in the power of God. He didn't bring his magic wand or his scepter with him so that he could touch the blind man and say, you can see. He prayed to God. He said, God, in your infinite mercy, heal the blind man. Oh, let's go to a man. Heal the blind man. Or give him a pair of glasses, do one or the other. But there it is. He set it aside. He became a man, fully man. And he told us over and over again that everything that he did was in the power of God. It wasn't him, not in his physical form. Christ will yet be king who triumphs over all. When's that going to be? When he comes again, who's he going to come with? He's coming with his godly army. Who's his godly army? Shirley's mother. My mother. The resurrected mother's, mother's-in-law. And their formidable foes all unto themselves. But they're part of that army. You have relatives that are part of that army. You might become part of that army before he comes again. That's who comes. That's who comes. Those that have accepted him as king. I've already crowned Christ as king. I don't have to crown him when he gets here. I've already crowned him. He is my king. He is my Lord. He is my king. And that triumphal entry, that silly little parade that we read about where they throw uh, rags of clothes on the floor, on the ground, and palms and all of that business. And he writes, Rides in on a donkey. Hey, I've seen better parades than that. I've actually marched in better parades than that. But that's not what it's about. The king is coming. Hey, there's a song. The king is coming. But you know what? 
The King is here. The King is here right now in the heart and soul of every one of you that has come to him and accepted him. The King is here. The King has given you a message. And the message is go and tell the nations. Sing Hosanna in here. Hey, that's great. Let's all have a good time in church. Sing Hosanna out there. Sing Hosanna on the golf course. Sing Hosanna at Starbucks. Even after you've paid that terrible amount of money. Uh, But you got the idea. The king is coming. And I'm going to be with that king forever. Are you? Let's pray together. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you this day. And we thank you as we go forward now, ready and willing to speak your word. Speak your word. And we thank you and praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're not going to be singing, the King is coming. We are going to be singing, Jesus is coming again. Let's stand.